everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. I am in the podcast studio with today's Devo writer, Mary-Kate Feaster. Hey, guys. Mary-Kate, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how you came to know the Lord, and then fast forward, what are you up to today? Yeah, so I was blessed to grow up in a Christian family and with parents who taught us of who the Lord was and made sure that we were in church and learning scripture from a very young age. And so super grateful for that, to have always really been around the Lord and the things of the Lord. Made the decision as a young child to accept Him as my Savior and truly believe I made that decision as a young child, but definitely did not understand everything I was signing up for and who, um, yeah, just the deeper truth of who the Lord is and what it looks like to walk in relationship with Him and walk in surrender. And so I can point out many specific times throughout my life in middle school and high school where I had to kind of recommit and remake that decision of like, Mm. oh man, Lord, like this is what I signed up for. And yeah, I mean it because you're worth it. And kind of all those recommitments throughout my life, but really wasn't until college that I got to make my faith my own and went to Baylor, um, Sikkim Bears. Sikkim Bears. My little sister went to Baylor, so I can uh, root for them. We love that. My sister did too. So we got to do Baylor together. And I would say that's kind of the season where I first got to see what it meant for me to follow the Lord just as myself when it was just me and no one was forcing me to go to church or anything like that. And so since then, I've seen a lot more fruit in my relationship with the Lord um, since college and then moving to Dallas. And yeah, I've just been really grateful for the heritage of that that I was given with my family and then getting to do that and be a part of community here at Watermark and learning more about that and being challenged and constantly learning what it looks like to take the head knowledge to the heart knowledge and, and live it out. It's good. It's good. What do you do for work? So I'm an accountant at a Bible translation organization. So not your typical that, accounting. No, you know, accounting goes way over my head, but Bible translation, that is so, so cool. How did you how did you get into that? Yeah. So Bible translation goes way over my head too. Okay. And I do the numbers. I make sure that we have the money and that it's paid where it needs to, so we can keep doing the work. But that's kind of the extent of how much I touch the Bible translation. <laughs> you stick with English and numbers. English and numbers. Yeah. As much as possible. But love getting to hear the stories of what's happening in the field. I found the organization. I work for the seed company. So I found them through um, like the LinkedIn of college. And you're just looking stuff. for a job. Yeah. Just looking for a job. Found an internship went, started there, and then got to come back full-time after I graduated. So so cool. Well, I love it. I'd love to ask you many more questions about Bible translation. But today, we are in Joshua 7. Yeah. What did you notice? Yes, there's a lot going on in Joshua oh, yeah. 7. You know, I— it's always kind of funny the way people choose their stories. A lot of people have the things connected to the chapters that they're writing about. For me, I played Russian roulette because I was like, I don't really know anything I want to do here. So <laughs> scrolled the little thing and landed on Joshua 7. And here we are with kind of a hard passage um, for me personally, just even to wrestle with. But the first thing um, that I noticed was in the beginning of the chapter, this is the first time that we see like Israel, once they're taking the promised land, like start to get scared in this moment because mm. we see that they lose. Um, they were so confident, like we're just going to send 3,000 men to go fight I. And then um, because of Achan's sin, which we see later and walk through and get to see, they they lose that battle and lose 26 Mm -hmm. Israelites and are instantly scared. It says in some translations, like, their confidence um, was just gone. And they are calling out, Joshua's calling out to God and saying things that sound a lot like numbers and Exodus back to, Mm. we should have just stayed on the other side of the Jordan and been content there, and then we wouldn't have lost this battle. So kind of opening just with that of watching Israel be shaken once again in their confidence of of what the Lord was going to do and what He would equip them to do because of that hidden sin. Then I was kind of struck just even in the story too. I 
after I chose it, was like, man, that's kind of a hard story. I don't know mm-hmm. that I can do that. Then realized we actually talked about this in kids ministry last year. So cool. I was like, hey, if I can teach fifth grade girls about it, we can we can do this. We like, can do for it for grown It's yeah. fine. Yeah. So went back and even looked at that. And we had used this story when we were talking about honesty mm. and um, kind of looking at it from that angle, too, of like, it's important in the story that one of the biggest sins, too, of Achan, not even just taking the things that were supposed to be devoted to the Lord, like that being for sure a sin against him, but also that he was dishonest about it mm. and he had that hidden sin, which he was then— concealing him. Yeah, concealing the sin from the whole community, not even just before the Lord, and that hurt all of Israel, that they lost the 26 Israelite men, and then they also had to go through this whole— coming before the Lord and having um, having hashing that it, Hashing it out, really. Yeah. yeah, and then they're the ones who have to inflict the, the punishment and the judgment mm-hmm. that's like following the law that we'll get to. And so just seeing, too, that the honesty and not being honest and hiding our sin like has serious consequences, even when it seems like it's just something that mm-hmm. Aiken could just keep under his tent and no one would have to know about. He didn't have to pull the robe out. He didn't have to wear the silver. He could just right. keep the things. Has but, that ever Has that ever played out in your life? Like, do you have a story or an example of what that's looked like for you, learning that lesson? Yeah, for sure. I think I see it. um, I mean, I'm sure there's some dramatic ways, but even just like on the daily with community of not— like wanting to confess even just like the small things or the thoughts that, hey, maybe I meant to wanted to say this to someone, but I didn't say it, so I don't have to. And the implications of, hey, when I'm not confessing that, like at the thought level and at the heart level, it's going to come out later. I'm going to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it to a roommate later, and then it's a bigger thing that I'm like, oh, I can see where it's like it was it held root in my heart for longer. Mm. And so I think that's where I like my first thought of where I see this play out the most is like at the, at the thought level of not confessing it and just keeping that and you keep it buried so to say, sure. under your tent yeah. until all of a sudden, oh, no, it's a huge it public comes thing. Out. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts others. True. Thanks for sharing. That's a good example. I uh, the, the most clear example that comes to mind for me is when I was in the third grade, so pretty young, the first time I remember this playing out in my life, I gave my life to Jesus like a year before. Uh, we just moved to a new school, and I kept getting in trouble, which was pretty different for me. And as a kid, I would come home and tell my mom how—I would be upset, and I'd tell my mom how my teacher was mean and all this stuff about my teacher. But what I wasn't telling my parents was that I was getting in trouble. And eventually, the teacher, like, called my parents and told them. So before the parent-teacher conference, my my mom was like, is there anything else we need to know? My dad, is there anything else we need to know? And I— said no, but there was, and I was concealing that sin. And I got in trouble because I was lying to my parents. But I learned that I, I learned what it looks like for this to play out in my life when I was yeah. young. Uh, but still, to this day, need to be reminded, just like you illustrated. What else? What else in this chapter? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing to, like, reconcile— in this chapter that seems really hard is just the fact that the way it ended for Aiken and his family mm-hmm. and what happened when that sin was called out, that it wasn't like, hey, this sin was discovered and now Israel, like typically what we would see is the offerings that need to be made and the penance and that, but the the call and the response here for Israel that was faithful to what the Lord had commanded was for them to stone him and to then burn his family and just just a hard reality yeah. of like, man, that's— a harsh consequence. right. Yeah, and, like, reading that, I'm like, there had to be another way. Part of me just wants to be like, well, that was Old Testament, Old Covenant. We're under the new. We don't have to look at that. But being challenged to remember, hey, it's the same God that it was in the Old Testament that we have today and that we're serving. And, like, there's a truth about his character that is shown when Israel is faithful and when they keep 
the the command of the Lord to even have a punishment as harsh as stoning, like, called out. And I relied a lot looking at, like, the Got Questions article for sure at this of, like, okay, so what else? I need something that's going to synthesize a little bit more of, like, where else we see this in Scripture and why to, to just not just move past it. And seeing, too, that, like, so often the reason that we see the stonings are because those are, like, when the sins are committed that have really hurt the purity of the of the Israelites mm. and have separated them in a different the sins way. sins are affecting other people and it's a unique way. Yeah. And so the just the idea of God is so fully who he is. And so he fully needs to like rid Israel of this sin. Mm-hmm. And in a way that like requires a large response because it had a large effect on the people, which like is great that we get to see for hey, the next chapter as we're going. Like they, they then are back and like have the victory in that and they're restored back to um not that they ever weren't God's people, but they're restored right back standing. to the same place. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, they're right standing in it. And so looking at, like, just how do we wrestle with that? And, like, how do we trust and are grateful for sure that, like, hey, public stoning isn't what we look at today. Even the New Testament, they tried to stone Jesus when he came back sure. and when he's there. One of the things that stood out to me was that they stoned his family with him. And I was like, man, that feels really strange that his wife and kids would be stoned too, but Constable's note said, the Israelites punished Achan's children with him, evidently because they had participated in his sin. It would have been difficult for Achan to hide the amount of spoil he took under his tent without his family's knowledge. So there's also a lesson there about concealing someone else's sin Mm. and integrity. Like when you see someone else doing something wrong, uh, you have a responsibility to, to speak up. And and that that stood out to me. Yeah, uh, and that's good. If even like, I mean, it's hard like to see that and be his families in that. And I think one thing that stood out to me was that hey, all of Israel, like all of its stoning, is so often by the peers or the ones who are like mm, the ones who are hurt. Stoning. Yeah, by it as the yeah. community, and they're the ones who actually like had to stone um, stone Aiken and his family, mm. which is like not what they would have wanted. But had yeah, they chosen but... to like avoid that punishment then they're the ones who are also, like, falling in sin before the yeah. Lord. And so it's just kind of that piece, too, of, like, hey, when the Lord enacts justice and he tells us how to go about it and, like, how we should respond to other people's sin, like, it's important that we keep that, too. Because had Israel, like, made a different choice, they wouldn't have been in right standing with the Lord, you know, and they still would have been compromising. Totally. totally. As we close, it reminds me of a quote. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember who said it, but it's that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And while we don't live under a conditional covenant where we have these agreements with God with major consequences when we don't conquer a nation in the right way, the same principle applies that sin's costly. So thank you for being here, Mary-Kate. I appreciate you contributing to join the journey. Thank you to those who are listening, for writing reviews. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.